Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode of Scene in 15 is brought to you by the folks at Proper Rumpus Media. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Scene of 15 with your favorite hosts, Nashawn and TJ. Scene of 15, the show that I really didn't think that we were going to do because I figured we'd be on the road, but I, I put out that feeler that this was getting postponed, but it's not, so you're happy you still get it. But anyways, Scene of 15, your favorite movie review show where you watch the first 15 minutes of any and all movies and give it either a keep it, which means continue, or a sleep it, which means you have better things to do. Last week, you watched Barbie. And because it's Thanksgiving, we're going to be thankful for something. And I'm thankful that I didn't waste any more of my time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I fell asleep watching it on three different occasions. So I did not get the chance to finish it because every time I tried, it put me to sleep. Yeah. So I should have kept with your sleep it, however. It's okay. I didn't really That's why try. we do this. No, it works. I I tried. Um, I couldn't. Then I tried again, and then I couldn't some more. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, with it being Thanksgiving, what's one thing you're thankful for? I'm thankful for the show. I'm thankful for the ability to do this. Um, all a proper rumpus. Like, I don't even know. I stopped counting the amount of years and all that stuff that I've been at it. So, I'm very thankful that um, I put together proper rumpus, that I started recording uh, pretty much off of just a love of communication and entertainment, and I haven't quit years later. No matter how much of a headache it is at times, I'm still doing it. So that's my that's what I'm thankful for. So I'm thankful for the fact that you continue to do this show with me, even though I have no desire whatsoever to ever watch movies, and I have never had a love for movies. You have instilled that in me, and I continue to show up every week to watch new movies. I think it so. makes for a decent. I just think it makes for a decent little thing. I mean, we don't exactly have like a whole relationship podcast, but we have a movie review podcast which i don't know i guess contains elements of our relationshipness is that a word i don't know but yeah good call i know what you may or may not be thankful for my movie selection this week oh yeah about that yeah so <laughs> i'm sorry you all are not thankful for his movie selection oh yes you will be and if you're not i may need to question our friendship um <laughs> so 
with me not thinking that we were doing the show, like, I don't think you put anything in the clip for stuff to do. I was originally going to do um, Equalizer 3, but we haven't done the first one. We haven't done the second one. And although I'm all for watching Denzel just dismember people. Well, I like Denzel. It might have been interesting to go into that uh, on the third one as opposed to the first one. So I literally threw in the hard drive, scanned through there to find... So we have this DVD. This is not something that we had to find online. I'm sure it's available but somewhere, this but we movie, have this oh on yeah. DVD. We, I, have this, I've, I have this on VHS. I have this on pirated VHS. I have this on DVD. I have this downloaded. This is. I had to. I had to run this movie up the flagpole to see if it was as fantastic as I remember it being, especially in the first 15 minutes. We did 1990s The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Now, <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Oh, okay. So, a little, so, a little bit of tiny background on this movie. So, let me tell you something real quick. Is as soon as this opened up and I heard the guy's voice, I was like, "This is why he does the the, the voice that he does when he talks with that." Um, what is it? Your New York accent, Andrew Dice Clay. Do you know who Andrew Dice Clay was? This may be a little bit before your time. Okay, real quick. Andrew Dice Clay, first of all, the fact that he gets a leading role in this movie was really, it wasn't strange, but um, you were going through that time period where these crass comedians could end up pulling crowds and they could be funny and you could see if they had entertained a whole, Eddie Murphy did it uh, when they put him up for trading places and then he eventually got Beverly Hills Cop. Now, anybody, if you don't know, (laughs) if you don't know who Andrew Dice Clay is, Andrew Dice Clay was, I guess, the closest thing that you could come to a shock comedian back in the day. He did stand-up. He was very filthy, very vulgar, but pretty much had the world in the palm of his hand. Anytime the quote-unquote Dice Man jumped on stage and started spieling it out, everybody listened, and it went one or two ways. Either he was the greatest comedian in the universe he was so hilarious, or he was so vulgar that people couldn't stand him. He actually holds the distinction of being one of the only people in the history of the world to get banned from MTV because uh, he jumped up during, I believe, one of the award shows and started doing a comedy bit and it got him banned. Andrew Dice Clay was like the hottest comedic property in the universe. Are you guys falling asleep yet? No, they're not. They, they're, yeah. Besides, the weird thing about this movie is, and I guess I didn't realize it as many times I've watched it, if you load up on the front end, this movie is filled with names it was a flop at the box office it was a huge flop at the box office matter of fact it's it's picked up a cult following over the years but when i tell you this movie like okay wasn't it in finland that made it yeah because because rennie harlan is finnish and finnish she used to be married to gina davis too but you got rennie harlan directing this and this is the movie that got him i believe what die hard too um you have uh, yeah they went straight from this into die Die hard too you got a young lauren holly in this uh you this is horrible, but yes, you get to see Vince Neil at the very beginning of this movie, and he dies, so that's always a good thing. You got Tone Loke hanging out in here, and this is all in the first 15 minutes. You got the late Gilbert Godfrey, but oh, he's, yes. not, he's not in the first 15. He's a little bit later. Mm, I don't think he, he didn't show up in the first 15. He's in the first 15. He's Johnny Crunch. Right, but that didn't happen I, in the I first thought that, 15. I, no, well, I thought was that was in the first 15. Um, no, it's not in the first 15. Um there's a, a good mixture of people and like you get to see Morris Day uh, in the club scene. Most people know who he is. He's the lead singer, front man, drummer for a band called The Time. He made extremely famous during the 80s uh, music wise at a couple movies with Prince. Um, 
Sheila E. Yeah, I don't know if you remember in the club scene where it automatically flashes to the lady on drums and she's singing and you're like, oh, that's Sheila E., one of the most fantastic, one of the most decorated, and one of the most talented drummers in the history of the world. So it, right at the beginning of this, it feels like they kind of loaded it up so it wouldn't fail. But anyways, 1990, Rennie Harlan's, ra- what is this rated? Please tell me it's rated right. R. R- yeah. It is rated R. Rated R, Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Um, so we open up with Andrew Dice Clay and the voiceover. Of him explaining who he is. He is Ford Fairlane. That cowhide jacket. Because I was not even paying attention to half of the things that he said. All I kept looking is, why is he on the beach smoking in a cowhide jacket? Because he's Ford Fairlane. And he's he's about to tell you. He says, you know what? He's the rock and roll detective. And, you know, he's a professional crime fighter. And he tells you at the beginning of his movie where you open up to him sitting on the sand smoking a cigarette in a leather jacket. Which is awesome. And he says that, why does he wish the entire music industry would just, there's a lot of vulgarity, but yeah, anyways. So it opens up with, you get to see Vince Neil, and Vince Neil is the head, or the lead singer of this fictional band called Black Plague. And Ford's voiceover is explaining that these guys are, quote unquote, supposed to be the new kings of metal, they're really huge. And then, you know, you get to see Vince Neil and all of his fat boy glory die on stage. And it's weird because when he dies, like the concert doesn't stop. Like there's a couple people that figure out maybe he's dead, maybe he's not dead. But everyone's well, it looked like it was supposed to be like part of his scene show. because he started out like way up on that rock like a, yeah. cliff thing and then like came down in. So it looked like it was part of the show. So. And, they, then, and then he dies. But the thing that I don't understand is the people who are playing in the band with him should know whether he died or he didn't because they should know how this is supposed to go. I love the fact that the drummer just keeps it on just going. Just keeps going. Just keeps going. Yeah, the, the drummer's just like, nah, we're good. So you get to hear uh, Ford and how he has not yet been approached to take this case. But apparently the death of Vince Neil, the character Bobby Black, is really huge and he dies on stage. Well, we get to go into a little bit of what Ford does. <laughs> and it, let it be known that the Dice Man persona that Andrew Dice Clay put together for his stand-up, like, this is not really how he is. Apparently, um, this was the niche that he found. When he used to do stand-up, he did a bunch of different voices, a bunch of different characters. And, and he, he had to bring some of that into this. Yeah, and then he sure. landed on the, oh, hickory dickory dock and all the horrible nursery rhymes. That used to. Matter of fact, when you see him in the club scene, the first of all, I think his voiceovers are fantastic. <laughs> For what this is supposed to be, I think some of the stuff in his, his voiceovers are just great. I'm like, yeah, this is vintage Andrew Dice Clay. Like, if you've ever wanted to peep... Uh, Andrew Dice Clay probably at his finest without having to sit through a whole stand-up. You, you can just go here and watch this movie. So At least the first 15 minutes of it because you get some <laughs> of it in there. So it starts out, though, um, with when he shows up, he comes in the Ford Fairlane. Yeah, to the club. And that's, an, that's I, I don't think that's like the most fantastic car ever, but whoever decided to give him an old school car and let that be his thing. I All think the eyes works. turn to him. Yeah. And it's he a gives, bunch of, it's a bunch of blonde white chicks. And he gives the keys to, <laughs> to the valet. The valet. 
And, he's and like, then he walks in like he is hot s- stuff, man. No, he gets out of that car and every female that's outside, and of course it's the 90s, so apparently I guess it was blonde hair, blue eye all over the place. And they all turn around and they're looking at Ford and he's like, whoa, was my fly undone? I'm like, yes. It's vintage Andrew Dice Clay. And he he kind of just like walks his way through the club and it's so 90s. There's like lasers and poofy hair and really special dresses. It's a wonderful time period. The slaps in the face from the girls. Oh yeah, that like this movie. Like if you were in any way, shape, or form, like oh, I can't stand misogynism in movies. He also gives out that he has a phone number. Yes. In this, and it's and there's actually two phone numbers that he has because the first one that he says one's not real. One's just a his bit. Well, actually, no, 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 no. no, The 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 one eight eight. The whoa, the one eight hundred unbelievable. Unbelievable. So yes. before that, it was a different word, but it, the word had seven letters, and because the word had seven letters, it was an actual phone number. So whenever they put this out, they had to dub over it. That is freaking awesome to make that. I wonder how many people called for that. I was referring to the when he talks because I love oh, the five 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 number. Yeah. it was like <laughs> we're in like, the movies. It's like five 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 six three two one. And one of the twins is like, 555. She's like, that's not a real number. That only works in the movies. It's like, what did you think this was, sweetheart, in real life? (laughs) And, I mean, you get bits and pieces of his bit walking through there. Like, when the two guys come up to him and he he tells them, he's like, what are your names, Neil and Bob? Or is that just what you do? And while they're drinking, he tells them to take, he's like, are you driving home? And they're like, yeah. And he tells them to take Mulholland because they'll love the curves. Like, encouraging somebody to drunk drive until they kill themselves is apparently not a 2023 thing. But it flew good in the 90s. (laughs) Yeah, he was, wow. So then we get to, oh, and then he has, he's he's all cool because he's got the Zippo lighter and he can open up the Zippo lighter the way he does. Yeah. It's like it's like he clicks it open or flicks it open. This movie was pretty much like, hey, if you never in your lifetime ever learned how to do a, a trick with a Zippo lighter, we got you. The fact that he had a holster for his extremely long cigarettes, the fact that he had a holster for a Zippo lighter, fantastic. And I love how how like one of the guys in the club is like, hey, Ford. <laughs> it's like, nobody smokes anymore, man. And the guy that's telling him is wearing like a earpiece and a ponytail. And I'm like, really? The ponytail guy is telling him that smoking is not cool anymore. But you get to see Ford dance through the club. Um, he's well known. A lot of people kind of mess with him. And you also find out that he's actually in the middle of a case. Um, he's been hired by a band the called yeah, Josie and the Pussycats um, to find a redheaded stalker that has been you know claiming that he wants to assault and kill them and all this and all that so he's looking around going to that club is him actually doing work <laughs> in which he does do some work and he actually orders is it a milkshake that he orders he like orders I... a zambuca milkshake now zambuca is a very well i think it's gross if you're a fan of black licorice and zambuca is right up your alley if you're not a fan of black licorice, it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And Ford asks um, the bartender to make him a Zambuca milkshake, and the guy makes it, and he says, you know, it's not thick enough, but keep on working. Um, it's foreshadowing, if I remember, they throw it in there for later. But even when Ford sits down to talk to, of all people in the universe, they decide to throw in this real quick. Morris Day 
and he's sharing a conversation with Morris Day. I mean, it's weird. Even of all the people that decide to walk up and speak to him, uh, there's a waitress named Melody that walks up and gives him her phone number. That's Carrie Words, like a young Carrie Word. Her career would go to blow up well past doing bit parts in a in a Rennie Harlan movie. But um, you get the vibe that Ford is, you know, he, he doesn't, he, he, he complains that people really don't take him seriously because he is an actual full-blown private detective. He's a PI, but he specializes in working for the music industry. And even when he's sitting down talking to, um, uh, I can't remember what, uh, what uh, Morris Day's name was Don something or other. But even when he's sitting there talking to him, he's like, you know what? Like, dude, I'm a professional crime fighter. Like, I have a real job. Like, these people don't respect me. Um, but you can kind of see why. I'm not saying you can see why he doesn't get respect. But Ford, it seems that he fully enjoys the rock and roll detective lifestyle. Like, he sees the rock stars. He he gets the women. He's cool. He has it's this addiction. image. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he has this picture that he ends up showing this guy because he sees a guy and the guy that he's supposed to be looking for and he's not sure if it's him a hundred percent, I don't think. So that's when he shows them the picture of the pussycat dolls and he asked him if he knows them. And to which point the guy was like, opens up a briefcase and has all of these like stalkerish photos of all cut out out of magazines and different and photos he's taken and, and it's absolutely fantastic because the role of extremely crazy weird redheaded pervy dude is david patrick kelly and david patrick kelly if you've ever seen him in anything he has a very awkward presence and it's normally because of the way he talks in his speech pattern um but this is this is like forever ago so you get to see him young and he's got this really bad red hair dye job but it turns out that he is the redhead fanatic that that uh ford's looking for and like you said he brings like this whole briefcase and it's guy it's creepy and like he even takes the picture from ford and smells it and puts it in his briefcase yes. it was not <laughs> like it it was stalkerish for sure it's very bad so um, <laughs> he ends up taking him and like sliding him down the bar yeah it's old school just you're like wow really this happens <laughs> and then he arrests him and takes well no before he arrests him he's the guy jumps up off the bar and runs and then he stops and he's kind of he's, naysaying to he's taken to off and talking trash and for the first time in my life well actually second I got to see somebody coolly use a pistol that was attached to a holster that was the inside of their wrist. It's one of the and greatest things. He pulls things out ever. a gun and shoots the disco ball down, and it hits the guy in the yeah. head. Yes, and that is that. So I assumed he was dead, and a little while later, you'll find out that he was not dead. No, he's not dead. Uh, maybe a disco ball falling on your head would kill you, but I don't know. Apparently, not now. So Ford apprehends uh, Sam. They call him Sam the Sleazebag. Sam, yeah. He apprehends Sam. And at the same time they apprehend Sam, the two twins, well, the set of twins, that slap the crap out of him when he's in the club, apparently he apologized really well. And the next scene is us, waking up next to him them. waking up in bed with both females and his quote-unquote alarm clock going off, which is the Jimi Hendrix experience playing Purple Haze uber loud. Um 
And of course, he's got the greatest short sleeve dinosaur shirt on. I have no idea why I've remembered that after all these years. One of the things that I think was interesting is as he's getting ready to leave, he tells them to do his dishes. Yeah. When he first wakes up, he's like, do my dishes. And like when they're getting dressed to leave, they're like, Ford, we just wanted to be held. And he's like, you got the bonus plan. Like, this is very, very, very vintage, very vintage dice, man. Um, so then he walks out, and when he, they get ready to leave, the girls leave, and he walks out, and there's this little boy there. And the this, kid. The, yes. The, the kid. The kid. And he does everything Ford does. He's patterned himself after Completely. Ford. Completely. Like, he's not dressed conventionally. Like, he's not, he doesn't go back as old school as Ford does, but he, like, his fashion kind of, he does the vest thing with the hat and the glasses, even to the point where Ford's doing the whole, you know, routine. And if you've ever watched any, any uh, Dice Man stand-up, like, the whole exaggerated movements for the cigarettes and the lighter, like, Andrew Dice Clay used to have this thing that he did where he'd pull out his lighter, toss in a cigarette, and he'd do this... And he'd kick his head all the way to the side and he'd light a cigarette and then bring it all the way out and do the thing again. Like, his mannerisms are copied so hardcore in this movie. Like like I said, if you've never seen an Andrew Dice Clay stand-up, you could take all the movie stuff out of this and just compile all the crass junk that Andrew Dice Clay says and that's more or less the stand-up. But the kid picks up his mannerisms, even to the point where he tells the kid, he's like, the kid puts a cigarette in his mouth and Ford slaps it out. He's like, what are you doing with these things? Don't you know these things are killing you? He's like, don't you listen to Smokey the Bear or some crap? Like, Ford is very Andrew Dice Clay. Like, I don't don't know. I got no other way to say it. But um, it's around this time that, you know, you find out that Ford has apprehended Sam and that Sam is in the back of his hardtop convertible underneath in the trunk underneath the whole the 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 roof system i don't know what you'd call it so the kid then uses some inappropriate language that um (laughs) that uh ford is not too fond of ford's not okay with (laughs) and then our next scene is um ford has him has sam and is dragging Sam up the stairs where they go into his his job. Yeah, you're well, going to. He we're gets on the to his way office. to the job. We're on the way to the office. That's not the actual next scene, but we're on the way to the office, and we get to. Um, this is where my you, man slam Tone Loke. Tone Loke, and I don't know if this movie really helped him or hurt him. I believe it helped him because uh, I believe he got lots of voiceover work, stuff like that, uh, ever so fantastically in, in Fern Gully, of course. Um, but Tone Loke, old school rapper, did his thing during the 80s, 90s, funky Cole Medina, wild thing, all that. Plus, he's got a great voice. He just has a natural great voice. That was so, Funky Cole Medina? That's the guy that did Funky Cole Medina, yes. Oh. That's Tone Loke. So, they have a little back and forth, and, you know, you, you, Ford's cool. Ford, I mean, there's no other way to say it. A pre- the scene pretty much just keeps telling you, it's like, yeah, Ford's cool. He, he may not be everybody's cup of tea, but Ford's a cool dude. And he gets the ladies, even yes. the fat ladies. He gets all the, the ladies. The scene of the fat ladies. That, yeah, that's why he paid all that money for his office, because it was worth it for those chicks, those big, fat chicks. Would this movie fly today? No, eh, not at all. There's a not lot of it. All. There's a lot of it that wouldn't work, probably. But eh. So... They get up to his office. And, and you get to meet his secretary. The ever so fantastic, probably one of the larger stars that did something after this movie, Lauren Holly. People will tell you that they remember her from being married to Jim Carrey. But Lauren Holly absolutely had a full-blown career on her own. So getting to see her as, like, young, 
hairless jazz, like with her little glasses on. She's she's Ford's assistant. So Josie and the Pussycats are supposed to be there. No, they're well, yeah, they're supposed to be there, but because he's working on the case and they were supposed to meet him there, but he took too long. Yeah, because Ford was late. Because Ford is always late. <laughs> and <laughs> so when he actually does get there, you get to see his interaction with him and Jazz, and Jazz is just kind of like, "Oh, you finally decided to show up to work. Oh, we have cases." And you know, she's like, "Oh, well, if we could get through this cavalcade of bimbos," because she actually calls him while uh he's at home still with the twins and he's even joking with her and she's like he where were you? <laughs> yeah she's like where was i last night he's like i was working <laughs> and he's like i was up all night eating swedish meatballs oh and she jazz seems to be good she's just disgusted with like ford's extracurriculars but there's a reason why she's there um also she's the one that tells him she's like yeah you know you Josie and the Pussycats were here, and then they left. They went to go get something to eat because you weren't on time. And then you hear about Ford's issues that uh, he is a rock and roll detective. He works strictly for the music industry, but then you start to find out that he's not receiving payments payments, that he's receiving... Like really, I guess like really nice gifts from from some of these people. And you like know, gold. Yeah, he comments. He he comments that he gets. Um, you know, he gets a he, for some reason he gets a koala bear from NXS, which is adorable. Um, you know, he talks about getting food processors and gold watches. And and here's the thing: this is dated bathtub compact disc players. Um, and even when he does present Sam uh, to the to the uh, pussy cats, yeah. They knew this was dated as soon as they turned the, the 1980s. Film on. Yeah, but when has anybody ever been like, "Oh, wow, I don't think I've I've heard people be like, "Oh man, I got a CD player. I've got a compact disc player." I've never heard anybody go, "Wow, I have a bathtub CD player." So apparently for like the they weren't year rich enough. either that or the one year that this movie happened, like they were all the craze because I don't think anyone's ever been like, "Oh man, I made it. I have a bathtub CD player." Just that's just me. Um but even when he presents Sam uh, to the to the Josie and the Pussycats, um, and of course Sam goes and like tries to escape, and Ford doesn't really care because he's already you know done what he's got to do. Well, they, they ID him. Yeah, they ID him, and after that whole transaction's over, they give him a gold watch, and that's when Ford starts his whole little tirade. And then they go to castrate Sam. Yeah, it's before he jumps. They they do the whole cute thing, and I, he doesn't. <sighs> Somewhere between his house and that office, it doesn't look like he'd have a pair of hedge clippers just sitting around, but apparently he does. They were some giant <laughs> pair of scissors, man. Yeah. So, and he was going to castrate Sam. And then, of course, I mean, no, he, he wasn't. kind of like let him go because he wasn't really going to. It was more of a scares tactic, like, hey. And then it gets worse because Sam goes and jumps over the balcony and my man Slam, slamming all of his homeboys are freestyling out in front of uh, Ford's ford's office and they got a crowd out there so when sam jumps down he lands on their boom box and you get to hear for the second time this evening you were however many seconds away for the most embarrassing moment of your life and they beat the crap out of him more or less and then that was the end and of our that's the end of our 15 minutes. 15 minutes um when i said that this movie bo- boasts an insane cast like the people that you get to see in the first 15 uh, of course, Andrew Dice Clay, Lauren Holly. You're right outside, outside of that 15 minutes. I know it doesn't really count, but you see all the names in the credits, so it's at least notable. Uh, you see the Gilbert Godfrey's in this. Ed O'Neill from everything fame. Oh, oh, 
Modern Family for the newer cats, Married with Children for us older cats. Uh, you got Wayne Newton in here. Um, Priscilla Presley is in this. We've already mentioned Morris Day. Also, really, really randomly, you get to see Robert England. And the thing is, I don't know um, if tons of people were on the Robert England train seeing him without Medi- without all of his Freddy Krueger gear on. But I think this is the first movie where I got to see him without his Freddy Krueger gear on. Also, this just landed on me when I'm looking through everybody in there. One of my absolute favorite people, and now it makes sense because now I can pick up her voice. I don't. I think it, I don't know if she played Josie or not, but she was one of the pussycats, the short one with the dark hair, the ones that says when they when she identifies Sam, and you know she says I think it looked like a penis but only smaller. That is Pamela Adlon. I love Pamela Adlon. You might love Pamela Adlon. The reason why I love her is for two of the greatest things that that woman has ever done. A, she played Marcy. And one of the, like, oh, Lord, if you want misogynism, like, just rolled up. She played Marcy in Californication, and for the the, the lighter crowd, she did the voice of Bobby Hill for King of the Hill. Um, but anyways, the cast is stacked. It's a 90s movie. Um, I'm, like, ugh. I'm, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to give it a keep it. Like, I had to sit back and think about it. I didn't think this movie back in the day, like you have never heard me be like, oh man, this is like a fine piece of cinemas- cinematic masterpiece or whatever. But right now, going in these 15 minutes, you're showcasing Andrew Dice Clay the way that you should. I mean, the guy's not, you're not rebuilding the wheel, but you get your funny parts, you get your bits, and there's more than enough faces in here right now that in 2023 that you're recognizing some of these people like, oh, snap. So it's kind of cool to see them. I can't um, believe that the director or the producer was thinking about pulling the plug on it though, like moments before it was supposed to go, all because they thought that the main guy, was, whatever his name, Andrew, Andrew Dice, Dice Clay, Clay was, was, too, was fat. too fat. Yeah, which is even crazier crazy because we're talking Joel Silver, and if you don't know who Joel Silver is, um, Joel Silver is a class of producers um, that, when movie making became a, a big thing to me, and I think to. To people, I, I guess I could akin this to there used to be a day and time where in, in hip hop people just knew who the MC was and they really didn't. I'm not gonna say they didn't care about the producer, but it wasn't so much about the producer. Um, Joel Silver's from that class of producers where you actually started to care about the producers because you would see the type of movies they put out. Then you'd start, you know, um, so to see this as being an early Joel Silver movie. More or less, this has all the elements of being like a Die Hard or a Lethal Weapon film. Like you exchange a few writers, a few actors, um, but it just happens to be a little bit more stylized as Andrew Dice Clay. Long story short, it's it's a keep it for me, um, just because I think they're using everything in the right places. Like I, I don't think this movie's supposed to take itself too seriously, and in the first fifteen minutes, I, like I'm reminded of why the '90s was so interesting. <laughs> so um, it's a keep it for me. So a few moments ago, I said that there was an 800 number that it was, and it was a word. That word was perfect. It was 1-800-PERFECT is what they originally had, and it was actually somebody's phone number. And so when they when they went into post-credits, they had to dub over and do 1-800-UNBELIEVABLE. I like I, I like the fact that they could have left it and had that one person become extremely famous just because of Andrew. Nobody would want to have that phone number then. Oh, back then I probably would. Uh, no, I was like ten, so no, I wouldn't have wanted it. <laughs> so, so for me, 
<laughs> it is a sleep it all the way. It was not it was not comical to me. It was not entertaining to me. I wanted to fall asleep from the moment it came on. I mean, it works. It it certainly defines what a sleep it is. And the fact that it showed up Gilbert Godfrey in the credits made me want to shut my ears off. That should have been when they announced that Vince Neil was in the movie. <laughs> Who's Vince Neil? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, to keep it from me. And a sleep it from me. And a sleep it from you. So what you should do is figure out where you can get this or give us a call and let us know you need it and we can send you over our copy of it. Or you can text me and I will tell you everything that happens in this movie. <laughs> moment by moment by moment. Yep. Like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Oh, nothing cool. It's like, can you just start the part where, you know, Ford does a 1-800-unbelievable, like, got you. And I will walk you through this entire movie, pardon me having time. Anyway, so if you get the chance to search this movie and go over and give it a gander.